This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 279 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben and this week I'm joined by Charlie. How are you doing mate? Are you well? I am doing really well, yes. Um... I, I am. I'm currently on a little bit of a break from uni. I know, shocker. Uh, I'm <laughs> back in back in Lincoln for for the week at the minute. Um, so yeah, it was a nice, easy trip to Central Bank on Tuesday night. Uh, lots lots going on. Um, you know, we've got a couple of things for Saturday's match day that I had to sort of organise. Uh, mm-hmm. in and around the club on Tuesday as well. We'll mention them a little bit later on, some exciting stuff happening. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really well. And do you know what? I was I was talking to Alan Long on Monday and we, we sort of said, we kind of, we, we just met up and, and asked each other how each other was and all that. And he turned around and, uh, do you know, what? I couldn't have put it back to myself. He goes, well, I'm a football fan. We're winning. I'm great. <laughs> it's like, it, it just it really does just lift your mood it makes it so much easier to come on and do these podcasts it makes it so much easier to talk to stevenage fans for example later on in the preview it, it it does just make it so much easier when you're on that bit of a winning run or or at least you're putting in the really good performances which we yeah. are because let's be honest i mean we'll go into Tuesday night a little bit i'm sure but we're not just winning we're winning well yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's it, it like you say it does always kind of give you that little bit of a, a boost, bit of a lift, and it's uh, it's particularly when you know you, you see these dominant performances that we've been putting in. So I suppose should we get straight into it and talk about Tuesday night because it was a it, it was a game that I think was um, looking at today's standards fairly poorly attended, but it was an Excellent night under the lights at Central Bank, as they, you know, as the most special nights tend to be. Um, it was, uh, yeah, a really, really good performance. Obviously, come away with a 3 0 win. You've been saying for a while someone's going to get a smash in. Um, and I think, uh, you know, most people tend to agree that when teams are playing well, like you say, somebody is in line to get absolutely thrashed. And I think uh, that happened to a below par Shrewsbury side on Tuesday night at Central Bank. I think um, listening back to uh, Paul Hurst's interview after the game as well, he said, you know, that obviously was was quick to point out that we played very well and that, you know, we had the desire and the heart, but he also said that uh, Shrewsbury were well below the standards that he expected. Um, but it, it will lead me on to something else after we've had a little discussion about the game. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good fun, wasn't it? It was uh, started really well. Um, Weathered a, a, I was, I was going to say a storm. It wasn't even that. We weathered a shower for for a minute or two, um, and then Ted pops up with a a goal prodded home, and I couldn't really see a way back for Shrewsbury at that point. I'm taking all credit for that first goal, by the way, <laughs> because I'm sat there in the stand. Now I'll take you back to it was Bolt, Bolton away, first game of the season. Uh, a friend of mine 
who lived up there had come, was coming to the game and it was his first Lincoln game in God knows how long or whatever. Uh, and I set, I was sat in the stands, it was like five minutes into the game, they got a corner and I said to him, Honestly, we're like with one of the best teams in the league in terms of defending set pieces. We're absolutely fine. Then they scored from it, and if you remember correctly, they actually scored two from set pieces in that game. So that one was my fault. <laughs> this one, I turned around and said to, <laughs> said to uh, my dad's mate sat in the stand, "Oh, we, we hardly ever score from corners, do we? Like it'd be nice to get one. It never <laughs> happens." And then boom. So, um, but. It was, do you know, it was actually a corner technique that was used a couple of times on Tuesday night, yeah. trying to hit it into the back post for then nodding back into the box. And do you know what? It's a corner technique I absolutely love because when you're in this division, you want that ball to be bouncing around in the opposition's box because that's quite a lot where you can get set-piece goals from. You're never going to get the cleanest of headers really straight into the back of the net but if you can have the ball bouncing around in the area you've got a really good chance of getting obviously a goal and that's exactly what Ted did he managed to pick the ball up get into a tiny little bit of space get the shot away really nice shot straight into the goal yeah it was exactly what we needed within the five minutes and I'll be honest I genuinely thought that this that we were going to go on to score four, five, six, especially yeah. with the way that first twenty minutes was. But like I say, in terms of the actual goal, really impressed. The set piece, the set piece guys get um, set piece coaches, and it's Scott Fry that does them. I think uh, there's been times this season where he's had a good bit of stick. Um, and you know, look, we haven't been amazing with set pieces at certain points this season, so I understand that, but. We're now in a place where it seems to have been a while since we've conceded one. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody's going to shoot me down and say it's like our last goal that we conceded. It was actually a set piece or something like that. But I don't, I th- you know, I think it's actually been a bit of time since we've conceded one. And obviously now, we're, hopefully, we can sort of continue scoring one or two more. So uh, yeah, really pleasing with that. And then this is it. We then went on and just absolutely battered them for, for a good. 20 minutes it was probably up until yeah. sort of the 25th minute mark 20 25th minute mark in the first half we were absolutely battering them yeah. and it was such a some of the football that was being played it was such a joy to see it mm. was some of the quick passing movements especially through actually the middle of the pitch because we noticed it a lot and i know it was boston right but i remember <laughs> we were stood we were stood yeah. at boston and you know, so and that's not a slight on Boston, by the way. That's just like you know, the, it, talking in terms of level of the, the levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking in our preseason friendly about some of the little intricacies of the passing play between in the triangles. We see sort of the wing back, the winger, and the midfielder on either flank when we're away at Boston, and how amazing that was. And we've seen some of that uh, throughout the season. But what really impressed me on Tuesday night was the passages have played right through the centre of the pitch. It's often where you're not really getting the space to be able to do moves like that. Yeah. But somehow we were creating space. I mean, Ethan Aaron, Conor McGrandles and Ted Bishop. What a midfield uh, sort of trio, because obviously it was sort of a 4-4-2 out of possession, but Ted was very much inverting to yeah. play centrally at a lot of the points as well. And I just thought it worked so, so well what it was that we were trying to do. And then Rico getting involved and inverted from the left-hand side as well. Somehow being able to find space in an area of the pitch where space is normally a luxury that you're not afforded. Unbelievably impressive. And we'll go on to Shrewsbury. And we will talk about how poor they are. Absolutely. But I don't think... I think we made them look a lot poorer than what they actually were. So they were trying to play out of the back. And it reminded me sometimes of um, when, when we had... Um, Shackle and Key and Bolger trying to do it, yeah. Under the and sort they, they weren't those kind of players, season. were they? Exactly, and it yeah. just did not work. And I think it was was it Sunderland we played that season where we gave them like a couple of goals just stupidly oh, from doing it. I'm trying to think who it was. Um, I think, I think you might be right, but yeah, I, I know, I know yeah. what you mean. Like it's it's silly mistakes that give goals away, and I think when you, you know, when when you've got a team that are pressing as as high and as as well as we are, well, we were on Tuesday and mm. in, in general at the moment, I think a big part of that is obviously Ben House coming back. Um, he is, uh, well, I mean, if if we could bottle Chris's enthusiasm for Ben House mm. and uh, and spread it across everybody, then it would be a, a very dangerous thing indeed. But you look at the way that he plays, he is constantly 
you know, he's never on his heels. He's always kind of snapping at defenders and, and making sure that he's he's pressuring them to give, you know, to, to force them into a mistake. Um, and it was, it, well, it showed later on in the game. But, I mean, you say there that we, you know, we dominated for a good 20, 25 minutes. Um, I thought for that 25 minutes that it, it cemented then, well, Shrewsbury aren't getting back in this game. There's a little bit of, there were a few people that were a bit nervous at half time that I spoke to. Um, particularly, you know, given before this run started, obviously some of the stuff that we've, you know, some of the results that we've had before where you think, ah, is a sloppy mistake going to let us, uh, let them back into it? But yeah, I, I thought we were absolutely superb for the majority of the first half on Tuesday. Um, what I did find quite interesting was that the point at which we, we we'd sort of ended that period of attacking dominance, we, we kind of sat back and we said, okay, right, we've given you both barrels for 25 minutes, half an hour, come at us, let's see what you can do. And Shrewsbury didn't have anything. I think the, the stats show, I think they had six shots on goal um, in the entire game. Um, and then you've got, you know, uh, yeah, six shots on goal, uh, in the in the whole game, which was, I, I well, I think I expected more. I didn't know, necessarily know what to expect from Shrewsbury, but I definitely expected a little bit more than we got. Um, but we didn't allow them time on the ball when they were trying to play it out from the bat, like you say. When they did get slightly f- further forward, I think you know the the um, the defense was more than on par. Like I thought I really struggled to pick out a man of the match on Tuesday night. Because I just think, to a man, every single player on the pitch was excellent. Um, I know. I, I think the other thing as well is to that point. N- most of the people that I've spoken to about the game, all of us had a different man of the match, um, and it's you know it, again, it just shows at the minute that it was a, a, a game where we took them apart completely, and it was just brilliant to watch. I. I, th- I think for me, in terms of a man of the match for the record, I, I would probably have to say Ethan Arahan because mm-hmm. his ability in absolutely... Ev- he could play any midfield role. I honestly would be comfortable having Ethan Arahan as a striker and still <laughs> expect him to be able to do... like The way that he can play every single midfield role to mm. such a high ability, the, the his ability to break up play from the, okay, yes, we didn't necessarily see too much of that from Shrewsbury in terms of moving the ball forwards too often. But his ability to break up play, I think, is absolutely outstanding. His ability then, once he's got the ball, to not just tr- look for the first pass that he sees, but to first of all have the vision and awareness to know where every man on the pitch is and then to be able to play that ball to the right man almost every single time, second to none. And that is, you know, there is a reason why Ethan Arahan is so highly rated by Lincoln fans and Lincoln as yeah. a football club. And there's a reason why we're going to be, uh, we're going to definitely struggle to keep him. Yeah. But, and know, I think, he'll, he'll be playing higher up in his I, career. I think one of the things there is when you, when you see him, he never looks like he's, he's rushing. He never looks like he's struggling for time. He, you know, he, he gets the ball and it's almost like he takes a breath and everything slows down around him and he finds the pass and he makes the pass without even thinking about it. You know, he's just, it, it, he, he seems so natural with everything, everything that he does, um, whether it is, you know, a, a bit of a crunching tackle or if it's a, a case of, all oh, right, I've got the ball now. Uh, where do I go? Oh, cool. And he usually finds the perfect pass. Um, which he did for for the second goal, but um, um, yeah, I know I, I, I like one hundred percent agree with that, and also I think his ability to to help manage games, mm-hmm. you know, he must be like one of Michael Scubala's favourite players for that exact reason because he's sort of like look, you manage it because you know what you're doing, you're so <laughs> composed with it all the time, and that's something I kind of wanted to pick up because. Obviously, we've spoken about the second half of the first half, obviously, excluding mm-hmm. that kind of last few minutes. Um, you know, the, we were sort of sitting back a little bit, letting them have a little bit more of the ball, sort of, like you said, saying to them, look, we've had our fun for a bit. We've shell-shocked you. What yeah. can you do? <laughs> what can you do? And obviously, they couldn't really do very much. But I was reading Gaz's piece, and I sort of... He might not have meant it in this way, but when I kind of read it, I was sort of reading it as though it was a little bit of a negative that they were able to get back into the game for sort of the 
the second 20 minutes, if you like, that kind mm. of second phase of the first half. But for me, that's absolutely perfect game management. Yeah. It's knowing when to, because you can't just go gung ho at a team for 90 minutes and expect it to work all the time and expect your players to not get injured, which is something, you know, we'll obviously come on to talk about, uh, and to always have kind of high levels of fitness. You simply can't do it. So being able to manage a game, okay, yes, we would have liked to have been two goals up by the time we'd done that. Yeah. But I wonder if the game plan was from the very start, right, go at them for the first half of the first half, second half of the first half, if we're winning, ease off a little bit, preserve some of it, we'll go at them again in the second half. Yeah. And that's very much how it worked out. Now, I think the f- I wasn't worried going into halftime at all, or at halftime. Um, like I, I predicted a 3-0 victory, actually, going into this game. I did it on um, when I was talking to Ollie from Salopcast. Um, you know, I, I very much predicted a 3-0 victory. But then the first five minutes of the second half was the only time I felt a little bit nervy because I think they had an early shot, if I'm not mistaken. They were moving the ball forward a little bit more uh, and it just worried me a little bit. Mm. And then, well, we got our second goal and we got exactly what it is that we needed to effectively, in fact, not even effectively, it would, it was always going to simply wrap up the game. And what a move it was, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, b- before we come on to the goal, I just want to um, make a comment about uh, that there was a shot that Rico had that just flashed past the post. Mm. Um, and that was another wonderful, wonderful move. And again, you know, Arahan's in the middle of it. He was... He was an absolutely crucial player on Saturday, on Tuesday night, and I can see why. You know, you say you, you'd give him your man of the match because mm-hmm. well, it's like I say, it's difficult to to find someone that did didn't deserve it on Tuesday. But yeah, let's. I mean that 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 second goal um, when the ball get when the the ball got played through to Taylor, you think, ah, oh, he's taking is he taking it too far? He's not going to be able to get a shot away from there. And then it's just the cheekiest of little back heels straight into the path of Rico Hackett, who, uh, I mean, yeah, he buried it. I, Gary made um, a reference to uh, Bruno Andrade's goal against Everton. Um, I don't think it quite had that power, but it was it definitely felt you know similar in terms of impact because it was just a, a really, really crisp strike. Um, keeper had absolutely no chance. And at that point, you know, you think, right, that's it. The game's been put to bed now. Um, but I think the thing is with with Rico is he obviously missed quite a bit of the season with injury. Since he's come back, every game that he's played in, I've felt a lot more confident with everything going forward. I think he's been, you know, I, I was reading pieces today about um, Portsmouth, uh, from Portsmouth players, Portsmouth publications, I should say, um, saying, you know, that obviously we'd, they'd let him go for 40k and he'd come over here and he seems to be enjoying his football now. And they, they obviously made the link to the last game of the season being uh, being against us. But I think it it seems to be a rarity for for some players from Portsmouth to do well outside of other clubs. And I, th- I think Gaz got it spot on in a piece that he did where, you know, it's about how players feel and how they settle into clubs and how the club treats them as to you know how they how they perform i mean there's a there's a phrase in uh you know in in it uh, in the it world which is garbage in garbage out you know if you if you put in if you're coding and you put in crap code you're going to get a crap result you know whereas it, the opposite is true and if you make if you make the effort and you put in real quality to show or show somebody real quality you bring out their best attributes and i think whatever is whatever's happening behind the scenes with Rico Hackett at the minute, just keep it going because he is an absolute superstar at the minute for, for the Imps. Um, and I, I thought he could have probably had two himself, at least, on, on Tuesday night. Oh, absolutely. Uh, two, uh, an absolute uh, minimum. minimum yeah. like, <laughs> he, coming on against, um, who was it we played? Wickham, of course. Mm-hmm. Wickham, when obviously we, we start to think that the tide was changing, Rico came on and he was just running at everybody with the ball at his feet and most of the time beating them. The performance on that day reminded me a lot 
of Jack Diamond against Barnsley in the Papa John's Trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, on you know, it was like a couple of days after he signed, he'd started, and he was just he had this kind of confidence to run at everybody with the ball at his feet. And we'd have to be able to do something at the end of it as well. Yeah, I think that was one of his best games in a Lincoln shirt. Really, I've got to be honest, but that was very much what the performance reminded me of. And look, our attacking metrics have obviously gone considerably better since having, since obviously our struggles before. And Rico's a huge part of that. I mean, if you go look back at December, right in December, we scored four, th- no, we scored two goals in the whole month of three goals. Cause we scored against Northampton. We scored three goals in the whole month of December mm-hmm. in February. We scored 10. If you look at our XG, uh, sorry guys, but if you look at our XG in December, 0.75 per 90, now 1.82 in February. Like that difference, and yes, okay, there is such a multitude of factors that go into that. It's not just Rico coming back. You can also include Ben House coming back, bringing in Joe Taylor, having Freddie Draper for some of that, and all of this, absolutely fine. But, Rico is still a huge part of that, as are the rest of the players. Us going forward has been absolutely outstanding. But what has been amazing for me, and I put this in our group chat after the game on Tuesday night, is the fact that we're not we're we're going forward much better, but we're not sacrificing our defensive solidity. In this nine-game unbeaten run, we've conceded three goals. We've had six clean sheets. It's I phenomenal. Mean, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. And and it showed again on Tuesday night. Yes, okay, we were defending from the front and everyone will pick up the high press and all of that. But even when Shrewsbury came into our final third, they didn't look like they could get through. And yes, okay, some of that was very much because, you know, if we're going to put it as succinctly as Gaz wanted to put it in <laughs> the group chat, they were shit. But they were we off the boil. Look shit. Yeah, they no, were off they the were shit. Boil. But but, yeah. <laughs> but I, we were still think, defensively solid. Yeah, I, I think what you know what you said there is something that we've said in the past before. You know, when we've had a game where we've been beaten by a team that have played very well, it's so so easy to be completely binary when it comes to football. It's like, oh, we were shit, we were brilliant. They, they are the two options for a lot of people. Whereas I think the nuance in it is we were okay, but they played a lot better than us or, you know, whichever way around it is. And I think Tuesday was was one where, you know, we were excellent, don't get me wrong, but I think Shrewsbury were made to look a lot worse than they actually would have been because we were so disciplined and so, you know, uh, well, so attack-minded, I think. Um, and it goes back to, even when Mark Kennedy was here, you know, is his, the, the philosophy which seems to have bled through into Skibala's reign as well has been, we will be hard to beat first and then we will build on that. And I think being hard to beat was obviously the key. You know, we we we, we had that reputation for quite a while where it's like, okay, we're, you know, we are difficult to break down. We're a tough team to come to. We're a tough team to beat. But we finally got those extra few pieces now where it's like they're just slotting into place and you're going, ah, if we can be hard to beat and we've got a threat going forward, suddenly we're a really good side and there's a lot to be afraid of if you're, you know, if you're coming up against Lincoln. Um but let's let's come on to, you know, I think the man whose uh, whose signature is going to be the most valuable signature in in Lincolnshire over mm-hmm. summer, and that's Lars Sorensen, um, because I thought he was outstanding again on Tuesday night. And I don't know how many more times we can say I thought Lars Lars Sorensen was outstanding, um, because I mean, number one, he had a great game. Number two, his celebration was quite cool. Let's give him that. And number three, he's just a really nice, likable guy. Like his his interview afterwards, we'll, we'll come on to. But like the fact that he's he's really humble with it. I, th- I think he was, you know, he's just a a really great guy from the sounds of it. So he obviously didn't mean that. But when it went in, if you if you listen back to it, there's the kind of 
the shock of everybody when it goes in. Normally you get, you know, when a goal goes up, yeah, but that was just sort of, ah, like genuine surprise that it had gone in. Um, Yeah, just a a phenomenal performance um, and and just what a goal. What a goal. Now, obviously, you know, I didn't see the goal in real time. (laughs) I obviously have my audio description. I was listening to the commentary and uh, Tom, who was doing the commentary, he was doing it on his own, to be fair to him, on Tuesday night. And uh, he did he did really well, considering he was doing it on his own. And um, he was sort of describing the penalty save, mm-hmm. the ball had gone, gone out wide to last. And then he goes, I want last cross. Oh, what? Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, Huh? Yeah. And then, I mean, I watched it back, um, well, Tuesday night, actually, because obviously there was a clip of it on, on mine on, by Tuesday night. And wow, he he meant it. Okay, we're going to go. With, <laughs> he meant it. All right. I, we're going to give that to him because he deserves to have that given to him, um, that he meant it. Like, it, do you know what, though? It kind of even takes that away as to did he mean it? Did he know it? all of this? And the fact it's an amazing goal, it kind of goes back to the old adage of when you're winning, things just fall for you. Yep. And of course, there's going to be so much confirmation bias in there. I, I get that. I appreciate that. You know, decisions go your way when you're winning. They probably don't when you look at the stats. But you take that shot. It's, it's like with Joe Taylor last week. When yeah. Joe Taylor got that, got that ball just outside the box at Port Vale when he was gifted a goal, would he have scored that if he hadn't scored the week before? Would he have wanted to take a few more touches and then the keeper get into back into his position? Yeah. You know, there is obviously still a psychological and mental aspect to it and the confidence that you get from winning. And with this one, you know, he's 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 hit it. Let's say that he's tried to score. He wouldn't even go for the shot in that sense if it was uh, anything, if we weren't in the position that we were in. Maybe he wouldn't have even gone for the cross either. But I mean, he's end, he's basically confirmed that it was a bit more than a bit of luck if you look he's just tumble he's just tumble if you look back at it like his head's down he's not looking at the keeper he's trying to put a cross in it's it's (laughs) you know i think it's it's fair to say that but i just love the way that he handled the interview afterwards he's like yeah you know just saw the keeper off his line and and uh (laughs) and tried to you know put it in and obviously found the top corner and if you believe anything in the last 25 seconds then i'm a liar um i just thought that's perfect you know brilliant but I mean, that, you know, that's the goals. I think it was just a, a really, really enjoyable evening of football. Um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to to pick up on before we uh, before we move on a little bit. Um, and the first one was obviously we we had the penalty, and you know the, the penalty was saved because otherwise it wouldn't have counted. Um, so just before that, there was an incident with Ben House. Um, which I thought was a, it was more obvious than the penalty that was given. <laughs> I think, if I'm honest, like you, you look back at it and yeah. it's just two hands in the back as Joe Taylor's winding up to take the shot. The argument would be that Ben would have followed that up, but obviously the, the keepers kind of pushed it around the post anyway, so it, it falls apart a little bit there. But I mean, he's just a nuisance to defenders, isn't he? And it, the more that he can goad them into challenges like that I think that the better it's going to be for for us as a as a club going forward at the minute because he, he's just everything that he does just seems to wind up the defence to the point that they're probably going to snap he's, which was yeah, yeah. he um, just has to make sure not to get goaded into giving it back obviously uh, yeah you know, think to Stockley uh, but yeah, yeah. It, he, he is an absolute nuisance to defend like there is absolutely no doubt about it. This is one of a few penalties this season. He's been out for most of the season. Was it uh, Wickham at home? I always get confused. No, it was Blackpool. No, do you know? I always get confused between Blackpool and Wickham at home because they were both three nil victories. They were both pretty comfortable. <laughs> and I'm almost certain with both of them, most of the goals came in the second half. Um, it was one of Blackpool or Wickham anyway, where he also won as a penalty from being dragged down in the box. Mm. Um, Look, it should have been a penalty. We can watch. We've got the you know the beauty of hindsight. We don't know where the linesman's eyes were at the time. We don't know where the referee's eyes were at the time. If we had lost the game or drew the game, we'd probably be a lot more furious about it. Absolutely. But do you know what? Actually, notwithstanding that missed penalty 
actually the referee had quite a good game. Uh, yeah. It was, and it's it's easier to praise a referee when we're winning. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. I really do. But we've had some decent referees at, since about this season. I mean, it's ironic because I think the best referee we've had all season was uh, Charlton at home, that 3-1 victory, because mm-hmm. I just thought he wasn't taking any from anybody. Yep. He was letting the game flow, but he was pulling players up on the things that they needed to be pulled up on at certain times, and there was a clear level of respect there. And you know what? I kind of thought the same about most of the times on, on Tuesday night. It was when things did cross a line, they only really crossed the line once or twice, and then you know there wasn't that many fouls. He didn't give a single yellow card to a Lincoln player, and to be honest, I don't think a single Lincoln player deserved the yellow card. I don't remember a Lincoln player really making that bad of a foul at any point. So I thought he was fair. So I just wanted to say that because it's so easy to slam on referees all the time, whereas you know they do definitely sometimes need the praise. Yeah, absolutely. And you go back to the game management side of things. I think Bowman was obviously deserving of his yellow card that he got, and then that. Mm kind of nullified his threat a little bit because I think he he was a little bit stockly light in that he seemed to be all elbows and fouls when he was going up for stuff. Um, but he had to curb that element of his game pretty quickly once he yeah. got the yellow card and it, it completely nullified him, to be fair. Um, but before we move on, I do just want to I do just want to touch on one final player who was Conor McGrandles on Tuesday night. I thought he had an excellent game as well. I think he was Gary's man of the match. Um when we did our live special on transfer deadline day, we all got together and we, we spoke about, oh, you know, are we happy with that bit of business? And I said, if you'd have asked me earlier on in the day how you'd feel about Lincoln signing Conor McGrandles, I would have probably felt a little bit underwhelmed. But coming away from that, I said, okay, he's obviously a very solid signing um, and it's a signing that makes sense. And Jesus Christ, does it make sense now? Like he has been it's like he's never been away. He's slotted straight back into the squad. He's been a consistent 8 out of 10 for me since he's been back in. And some of the stuff that he was doing on Tuesday night, I think he was playing some really neat passes. He was getting stuck in with some tackles. He was obviously the first to run to last after he'd scored. I thought he was just all round. He just looked it, yeah, like he'd not missed a beat. Um, and it, it it's... A relief that we've signed him for something that we're going to talk about in a second. But um, yeah, I, th- I just think he was an excellent addition to the squad um, in January. And you can see why he was the number one target. No, he. I said after Tuesday's game, and I don't mean this as a slight on Ethan Hamilton, by the way, because Ethan Hamilton was probably, he either was or was definitely in the top three of our player of the first half of the season, if you think <laughs> up until the end of December. I think he was just consistently putting in great performances, even when the whole team was struggling at certain points. thought he was always a standout star. But Conor McGrandles has come in, and you've forgotten that Ethan Hamilton hasn't been playing. Yeah. Because Conor McGrandles has just slid into that role so perfectly that that is the definition of squad depth. Mm-hmm. Having somebody that can replace your starter and you not miss your starter is exactly what we wanted to add in January. And that's exactly what Conor McGrandles has done for Ethan Hamilton. The only slight worry is Michael Scabala in his uh, pre-match press conference today has mentioned that Conor McGrandles is a little bit of an issue mm-hmm. potentially for this weekend. He's going to have to go for a scan as well. Now, normally, okay, it, that would maybe... You know, it'd be a shame to lose a key sort of player. However, it's actually compounded and made considerably worse because of the news that we've also had about Ethan Hamilton today. Ethan Hamilton is out for the rest of the season, unfortunately, after his scans. He was close, but no cigar for the last few weeks, wasn't he? And then, unfortunately, Skubala has confirmed today that he's out for the rest of the season. And that is a huge blow, especially if Conor McGrandles isn't fit at the minute as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's it's obviously a, a massive blow to lose Ethan Hamilton. Like you say, he's been one of the players of the season. Um, he's, well, he was, he was a signing that I think a lot of people are quite excited by in the summer. Um, he's come in and he's, yeah, he's made this, made the spot his own um, until, He's, he's sustained this injury. Um, I think it's a thigh injury, did he say? 
yes, I believe so. Yeah, um, so it's so it's a. It's, it's obviously not ideal, and you know, all the best to to Ethan. Hopefully, he's the, uh, back soon the, enough. But yeah, yeah. The question is, when he says end of the season, does he mean end of the normal season? Will he be back for our trip to Wembley on <laughs> Bank Holiday weekend? Because this is the question. <laughs> Scubala okay, said he would expect record, to see him in close. Scubala has said that he expects to see him pre-season. So he will be out for the for the season, which of course does include the Wembley weekend. Um, but look, it's it was a a really big blow to hear that, and I think initially, like we've just said, you, you kind of you hear, "Oh, Hamilton's out for the season." You think it's okay. My granddaughters have stepped up, and then immediately you've been you know you've been jabbed with the left, and then you've got the round, you've got the uppercut coming in with the right, and he's just gone. Oh, and by the way, Connor's also possibly a doubt for Saturday as well. You think, oh, for Christ's sake. Like, it, it was just a, a bit of a one-two punch. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's it's just a real gut punch to see Ethan Hamilton out for the, for the rest of the season. Um, and hopefully, you know, it's not going to be too much well it's not gonna be too impactful um we obviously do have a little bit of depth in there i think ted could possibly you know if if mcgrandles is out as well ted could play back there if he needed to with danny mandroyu a little bit further ahead maybe um but it's yeah suddenly we've gone from no strikers to okay we've got a full squad and now we're slowly getting chipped away again i just I, i think We've had an awful season again with regard to injury, and it, you just wondered, like, if we'd have had that full con- uh, full contingent for the entire squ- uh, season, you know, where would we be at the minute, and how would we be looking? Um, but you know, if ifs and buts and all that stuff. Um, so, I think it's probably time for a little break, um, very quick break. On when we come back, we will be looking ahead to the weekend. So we'll see you in a sec. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there we go. Um, Right, so we are obviously looking ahead to the Stevenage game at the weekend. But there was something that uh, you wanted to bring up before we talk about the actual game itself, wasn't there, Charlie? Yeah, so just surrounding the whole match day on Saturday, uh, obviously the Stevenage game, as we've mentioned, uh, it is actually the club's designated level playing field Unite for Access Day. So the level playing field Unite for Access campaign is an annual period of inspiration and celebration of good access and inclusion at sports venues. What that basically means is there's going to be a couple of different like activities on um basic for well obviously for fans with disabilities but also not for any for any fan we're we're trying to just kind of celebrate what the club are doing well in terms of disability access in and around Central Bank and that you know the whole sort of community um and also the sort of wider football circles what's being done well but also then kind of asking those critical questions of what isn't being done well, what more needs to be done. Um, So it's a designated match day on Saturday. So you might see a couple of social media posts. Um, You might see, for example, the players warming up in the United for Access t-shirts, Michael Skubala wearing a United for Access badge, Uh, you know, just small little changes. 
the idea being to try and sort of use this as well as a bit of a kickstart campaign uh, for Lincoln City's Disabled Supporters Association, which, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, we're in the process of setting up. I'm currently the chair of the working group for that. Uh, so we really want to, if anybody wants to get involved and you're listening in, um, I mean, if you have me on Twitter or anything like that, pop a message, or if not, email the Stacey West email address or uh, pop Gary a message on Twitter and I'm sure he'll pass on anything like that um come get come get involved we're actually doing some blind football out on the 3g pitch um before the game on saturday sort of about half 12 till basically up until kickoff um like i said as, as well as a couple of other things so come down take a little look come have a little chat with i'll be down there um and if anybody i'll go in goal if anybody wants to try and shoot a ball at me i mean ben are you gonna are you gonna come down? <laughs> if it gives if it gives me the opportunity to kick a ball at you, then yeah, maybe. I don't know. Even 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 if you just pop pop into the 3G picture, just sail over for a couple of minutes, it'll be nice to see as many people down there. Um as I said, because obviously we're really trying to what we what we we always talk about all of the things that Lincoln City do well. Mm-hmm. Uh and I was at a level playing field conference at Derby County a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking with sort of fans of disabled supporters associations as such from different clubs. And they were talking about loads of things that their clubs aren't doing well. And then we talk about Lincoln and they're like, what? But but, but that's good. <laughs> like your, your <laughs> club are good communicators. Like, no, but that is, you know, Lincoln are absolutely fantastic by with that. And one of the biggest things, they're always an open ear, but there has to be the people asking the questions and, specifying these certain things that's obviously what we're trying to do so come along get involved and if you want any more information let me know absolutely yeah it sounds like it's a you know good incentive and i think the the key thing is with with all of these you know the the days it's it's just about highlighting the um not necessarily the struggles but highlighting the, the the work that's gone into making things more accessible for people across uh you know the whole spectrum of fandom i suppose is probably the way of saying it so um okay right next up is stevenage on saturday at the bank um i believe we're going to have a preview coming up now so uh you've or you will be speaking to pat from the borough pod if that's right yeah that's correct so um i i I will be speaking to pat from the borough pod uh literally just after we finish recording this uh, I was also on their podcast last night as well, so go and check that one out. But here's what Pat had to say about Stevenage's season. Hello and welcome back to the Stacey West podcast or YouTube channel, wherever it is that you're currently watching or listening to me right now. We are in a really good run of form, as I'm sure everybody watching or listening to this will very much know. And our next game Ah, it could be a six-pointer if things start going uh, even better for us because we are facing Stevenage at Sinsel Bank on a Saturday afternoon. Stevenage, the team who are currently sat in sixth place. And to talk all things Stevenage, I'm joined by Pat from the Borough Pod. Pat, I mean, I just said there, user in sixth place. You're a newly promoted side. I mean, what on earth has gone right it's been great, hasn't it? Yeah, we've managed to keep the momentum of last season, keep the majority of the squad together and build on it with some loanies in like Burns and uh, leaned a little bit on Steve Evans' old, uh, you know, contacts, getting in players like Kane Hemmings and that. And it's bulked up the squad that last year had a, a patch where we struggled with injuries, which is something I know you're very familiar with. Um, we've got real good strength and depth in the kind of central midfield and the, the striking areas, which is really important, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you've, you've obviously been able to have a really good season, you know, regardless of any injuries. And like you say, that depth has obviously very much helped you out in, in certain areas. Um, what is it a surprise to see, you know, from a Stevenage fan's point of view, is it a surprise to be seeing you guys so high up in the table? Where would you have put yourself at the start of the season if you were doing a prediction? My lightly giddy, over-optimistic pre-season <laughs> was 10th. Um, mm-hmm. And really my, like, kind of baseline expectation was if we're closer on points to the places than we are to the relegation zone, that's a successful season for a first season in League One. 
or back in League One, I should say. The last time we had our first season in League One, we finished sixth. So, you know, the, the, the bar was there and it's a possibility that you can be up this high, but I wasn't expecting quite that level of um, success given, you know, we struggled over the line a little bit towards the back end of last season. Um, but no, it's been a delight. And uh, the output from Jamie Reid has been a particular surprise hmm. over the last kind of season, season and a half. Like there was a point, the season we nearly got relegated from League Two, we were discussing like who we keep and who we let go in the summer. And everyone was just yeah. like, yeah, Jamie Reid, he's all right. He's a squad player. He's not like an established, important first team guy. And how that has turned around since then <laughs> is uh, just scoring back balls. And it's been great to see that upturn in his productivity because the side really needed it. Why do you think that upturn has occurred? Is that uh, Steve Evans' tactic simply working for Jamie Reid as a player? Or is it just that he's somehow managed to obviously kind of improve and get a run of games and show what it is that he could maybe always do? I think it's more down to personal development in this case. So hmm. when he was first in the side, his first touch was kind of ropey and he, he did a lot of running down blind alleys and losing it to the first defender and wasn't like seeing the game with vision. He always had really great work rate and pressed a lot and kind of, you know, was always nipping at people's heels, but that end product wasn't there when he got himself into shooting positions. The shooting wasn't particularly clinical. And this season particularly, we've just seen his first touch much improved, his close control much improved and the shooting much better when he gets there as well. Now he will hit it straight at the keeper's chest from three yards five times before he scores from a ridiculous angle. He's had that sort of um, season, but he's almost better when he doesn't have time to think and he just acts instinctively, and we've seen a lot of that this year. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, you have got one of the... I mean, is he... Am I right in saying he's currently joint top goal scorer in the league along with Alfie May and Devante Cole? You know, you've yeah, got right. this... You've got this incredible goal scorer, but... In terms of sort of if you're ranking the league on table by goal scored, you're pretty kind of mid-table. I mean, up at mid-table, sure, but you're pretty sort of mid-table. Is it, you know, is there kind of an issue with sort of creating chances as a whole in games? Because I'm also aware that I believe Steve Evans has mentioned that you guys have had a kind of a lack of clinicality in recent games. Is is that something that you've struggled with over the season or...? I'd say more it's come down to squandering chances rather than struggling to create them. Now, we've had a spudgy game like against Wickham a couple of games ago where it was 1-0 and there was about three shots in the whole game. But in general, it's been more like it was against Cambridge where we made a lot of chances, put in a lot of crosses, but Mm. didn't convert as many as we needed to and that leads you to dropping points you shouldn't and leads you to really nervous kind of last half hours a lot of the time so yeah, yeah. we've 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 made life more difficult for those that's something we should have at times by not capitalizing on those good spells that you have and that's the difference between being sick and being third you know at the sharp end of the table and there we go thanks to pat for that now charlie how far are we going to get before we mention the circus aspect of saturday's game I'd, I would like to try and avoid it if we can. Well, I'm going to ruin that. I, when, I was on their, <laughs> when I was on their podcast last night, um, I, I almost sort of slipped and used a swear word, not actually in context of that, but <laughs> almost slipped and used a swear word and um, sort of quickly had to uh, sort of apologise. But then they turned around and went, oh, don't worry, you've obviously never listened to our pod. You know, it's, it's absolutely fine. Like normally someone's dropped a C-bomb by this point. Well, and then, like five minutes later, right? Well, Steve Evans, it, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite go as far as actually saying. But look, they Stevenage taking that away from it. Stevenage is going to be a really, really tough side. Let's take the playoff conversation out of it for a minute, because yes, okay, the the whole conversation leading up to the game will be, oh, it's eight points. It could become five points with Oxford playing Portsmouth and all of this. And I get it. I really do because I'm going to fall into that trap Saturday midday. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yep. But Stevenage are in the playoffs at the minute and they're in there for a reason. A newly promoted side doing as well as they have. It's surprising when you look at the surface and then you look into into it a little bit deeper. And actually, I don't think it's as surprising as what you'd expect. Now, start of the season, I put Stevenage, well, I say start of the season, kind of mid-pre-season, I put Stevenage in my 
um, relegation zone as a prediction. Then I started looking into their team further and I very quickly changed my mind. I did not at all think that they would be playoff hopefuls, but I did think that they'd be lower to mid-table. And they've obviously overachieved that. Their, their recent run hasn't been too great. They didn't have the greatest month of February, but they are, they do now come into this on back-to-back 1-0 victories. They're a really strong side. We kind of know the football that Steve Evans is going to play. They're not going to be a team that's necessarily going to want to play out of the back. Um, they, they, you know, they don't concede too many goals. They are one of the better defences, similar to us. They score, in terms of scoring, they're about mid-table. You know, so they are actually quite similar to us in certain areas when you look at the when you look at kind of those baseline stats. But obviously, digging into a little bit deeper, we're a lot better going forward than what we have been recently. Uh, they have obviously struggled a little bit, but they are still strong defensively. So that's something that we're maybe going to have to worry about. But I do kind of worry that we might play into their hands a little bit now. Obviously, first of all. As I've said, they're not going to be playing out from the back. So our high press isn't going to be as effective against them as it was against the Shrewsbury side, who seemed insistent on playing out from the back when they really couldn't. For example, earlier on in the season when we played Notts County, and Notts County had been doing it all season, they were playing out from the back, but they were crap at it almost all season. <laughs> and it is now coming to bite them in the arse as they're now mid-table in League Two. Yeah. Stevenage won't do that. They're not going to necessarily boot it long every single time, but they are going to be more likely to do that than other sides that we've faced. And that might not be perfect for us. Although, obviously, our defence, when you look at the likes of Pordy O'Connor, Alex Mitchell, uh, Jacko, if he's anywhere near kind of ready to be playing, you know, they're fantastic in both the aerial jewels and the ground jewels. So that's obviously a bit of a plus for us on that side. Going forward for us, I think we're going to have to utilise our width a little bit more than what we maybe did again on, on Tuesday night. Um, but I think that's by design. I was saying that last time I said obviously got a goal. But what I mean is I, I was saying earlier about sort of those little intricate, intricate passes, passing moves um, between the likes of Aaron and Bishop and McGrandles and then using kind of House and Taylor that was going more through the middle of the pitch and when Rico was inverting, going, very much going through the middle of the pitch. They play a diamond midfield shape. So they are going to be strong at being able to break those up so we might have to be using our width which are weaker uh, weaker areas for them so the likes of using Las Sorensen and Rico Hackett out wide trying to break the defensive line through them is probably going to help us I am still confident I think you know winning does breed winning let's not pretend anything if we weren't in this current run of form I'd be crapping myself for this game I think it was a pretty close game in the away fixture I think we've had a much better time of it since than, than them, if you're, if you're sort of looking at it at that point. And also Michael Skubal has obviously been here a lot longer, considering that was his first game in charge. Last away game I missed, actually, as well. We won't mention that. And, yeah, they... I am really, really confident, and I know I shouldn't be, because it's going to come to bite me in the arse, and Steve Evans is going to fist pump in front of the Stacey West, and the whole ground's going to shake him. Oh, but look, at the end of the day, I am still going to be backing us for a one or two nil victory. I don't think they're going to score because, like I say, although they can go forward, they're not exactly high scorers. And the way they go forward, I think, is going to suit us. This could very easily be a nil-nil draw based on what I've said, but I am going to hope that we're going to be able to pick one through the likes of Sorensen or Rico Hackett being able to break those defensive lines. Maybe a goal, for example, similar to against Burton for Rico, where he is just able to run at the defensive line and cut inside and, and, and get a goal like that because that's what Rico's been able to do recently, get goals from half chances. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, look, I, I, I think... the. <laughs> Whenever you come up against an Evan side, it, it, there's always what should happen, what people are predicting will happen, and then there's Steve Evans that's just thrown into the mix somehow, and there's always that slight X factor with him. Um, I know he's a pantomime villain. I know he is the cartoon character that we all love to hate, and I'm sure Chris Ray will have a wonderful depiction of him on Saturday, regardless of the result. But, I mean... You know, you go through. You look at some of the. You look at some of the players that they've got. I mean, obviously, the one that jumped out at me a little bit was Jordan Roberts. He was 
one that came to us. I think he played five games for us on loan from Ipswich. Didn't really tear up any trees. Wasn't you know, didn't look to be that great, but he seems to have found his feet now. And it, by all accounts, he's he's playing really well at Stevenage. I think he's got five goals for the season for them. Um, I think he was the one that scored a, against Cambridge the other night. So he's he's finding his form a little bit. I think obviously the the big one is Jamie Reid. I think he's got seventeen league goals this season, which is ludicrous in in February let's be fair um so it's it's a case of keeping them quiet obviously he scored against us in the, the away leg um and I've listened to Steve Evans's press uh, pre-match so that nobody else has to um and he said in that that you know he is um he's he's hoping that they're going to be a little bit more clinical like by by the sounds of it they haven't been taking the chances recently you know obviously they like so we've had that slight or well, they've had that slight sticky patch um where they lost two or three on the bounce uh, i think they drew one as well but the way that they're going at the moment they've, they've kind of bounced back from that and they've, they've like you say two one nil wins on the spin yeah it's it's whether we can nullify the threat that they will give us and it's whether they will respond to Evans's shout of "You need to be more clinical." Um, if they do, then yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I'd probably say a, a one-all or a, you know maybe squeak a two-one. I, I, I think you know Jensen's been incredible um, over the past few games. Like you said earlier, was it? Two goals in the last eight games that he's conceded, mm-hmm. or three yeah. goals. Sorry, um, no, no, two two in the last eight, three in the last nine. So yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, you know, when you, you're looking at that, you just think it's such an impressive record. I, I just wonder if he can continue to keep that run of clean sheets going. Um, but it, at the moment, like you say, confidence breeds or winning breeds winning, and confidence breeds confidence. I, I can't see us. I can't see us losing on Saturday unless there is, you know shenanigans from the man um, that will no doubt start to piss people off and, and tip us over into the uh, into the red zone a little bit I suppose but look I, I, I'm i quite confident of a you know I'm going to say 2-1 um, I think it'll, it'll be a, maybe a, a tighter game than we're anticipating but I think that speaks to how Stevenage have performed this season like, like you said they're the surprise package of the division on paper Um you, you don't see, you don't tend to see teams that have just come up perform this well in League One. Um, and I'm going to be a bit sick in my mouth, but I've got to give them credit for that. Um, yeah, that didn't feel nice. I'm going to need a shower. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's it. Yeah, it's it's always a circus when when it comes to town, isn't it? And I think. He's already started with the well. We don't spend as much as them. Comments. I think in the again in the in the press conference, he's saying we can't spend as much as Portsmouth, Barnsley, Derby, Lincoln. I'm like, hang on, what? You're, you're lumping us in with them all of a sudden? But yeah, I don't know. Hey, so, we'll take we'll take being lumped in with the likes some of the, some of those big clubs because you know, <laughs> absolutely, it's fine. Totally Steve Evans. But no, it's it is going to be a tight game. Um, I, I am hoping that we can pip it. I'm hoping that we can keep a clean sheet because obviously, especially if they've not been too clinical recently, as you say, they've, they're not going to get too many chances against us. I don't think because of how strong our defense has been and how strong Lucas Jensen has been. Mm. Uh, it would really be nice to kind of keep this clean sheet run going as well. Um, as well as obviously the winning run and realistically, and I said earlier, we'll put the conversation about the playoffs to the side for a minute We've got 11 games left. We need eight victories, realistically. Okay. And we it's, it's, it's a, a humongous task, unbelievably difficult. But if, if we can beat Stevenage, suddenly, it, it, suddenly I feel like the conversation is going to go from can we to will we. So if we beat Stevenage, it's a team above us that then shows that we've got an, a strong ability against them as well if we were to play them in the playoffs. What about if we can then beat Barnsley as well? Because if we can beat Stevenage, can we beat Barnsley as well? Well, uh, then if we do that, then it really is a will we. So did, like, I'm not, I'm not going to go into that because that conversation has obviously been had on the podcast over the last few weeks. And 
I get both sides of it, and I'm trying to kind of keep grounded in all of this. But bollocks! You are not trying. You are not no, trying to keep grounded on Tuesday night, my friend. Come, but come, sa- come Saturday. Uh, but this is what I'm saying. Come Saturday at half past four, if we're two nil up, Jesus, I'll be joining. <laughs> I, I will be starting. I, I say joining because I was joining in Tuesday night. I'll be starting the we're on our way chat. Look, I think I've. I was trying to be a slight voice of reason in our conversations on Tuesday night. I, I'm, I, Sorry, I don't. <laughs> I was. I, everybody <laughs> was getting carried away. Reason. Everyone was getting carried away, and I'm there going, "I've been hurt before. I'm not going to have it." Yeah, again. but like I said, this isn't this isn't hurt because if we if we pulled something like this off, it would be out of nowhere and it would be miraculous. So for me, I'm not bothered about getting carried away because I'm just here enjoying the ride and I don't really think I will get hurt because oh, it, the only way I'll get hurt is if we capitulate after we're 3-0 up against Portsmouth last game of the season and then in the 93rd minute Anthony Scully falls over his own two feet and <laughs> wins a penalty to make it 3 all. Not that anything like that has ever happened to us before, um, but <laughs> he's doing a schmodditch. Exactly. So <sighs> I, that's the only way I feel like I can get hurt by something like this. So I'm happy yeah, to get excited and go along for the ride. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think I said to you guys on on Tuesday. Look, at the moment, I'm I'm trying to stay realistic. I'm trying to to not get swept up in it all. But if we can beat him on Saturday, if we can beat Stevenage. Maybe, just maybe, um, that's going to start to turn in my head as well. Um, because like you say, it's eight points. If we do that, it's going to be it's gonna be five points. So, yeah, interesting one. So, yeah, obviously, you know, depending on what happens on Saturday, we will start to get very excited, <laughs> not quite as excited as we should be or just see the season out. But I think there was a key question which we need to answer ourselves, Charlie. There was a key question on, on Sunday's pod. Who do you hate more, Forest Green or Grimsby? Now, th- for the record, this conversation on the podcast stemmed out of me and Gaz having this conversation on the bus. I, th- I think he-, he forgot who it was he was having it with. Um <laughs> Fairness. So he Not forgot fair. who it was. He forgot no. who he was having the conversation with, and you couldn't see who you're having the conversation with. Well, so exactly, just... well, yeah, but it's hard. To, it's hard to miss that ginger beard, um, especially <laughs> when the sun's shining. Uh, it's all right, he's not the only one that forgot certain parts of Saturday, but that's another story. Well, it isn't because <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, honestly, I want Forest Green to get relegated um, yep. because, and Chris, I Chris said exactly what I said. No respect for them. Um, Grimsby, I'm at the point where, especially at my age as well, when you think about sort of... Me, Look at you, you me fucking elder statesman. No, no, I was saying the total opposite. As me being younger, yeah, fair Grimsby, enough. Grimsby at the minute are kind of that, those, they're not noisy neighbours. They're sort of the, the little brother neighbours. You know how like Nottingham Forest might see Notts County? That sort of thing. It's like, do you know what? They're there. It's fine. I don't want to see them come anywhere near us. I still hate them, of course, but I don't really care about them at the minute. It's like they're in League 2. I don't see them coming up to League 1. I'm not that bothered about anything like that. But Forest Green are just a bunch of hypocritical arseholes. So I much prefer them to be out of the league. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I just think, for those exact reasons, like, Grimsby are a local rival and, you know, you will always have the degree of venom that is there for a local rival. But I think Forest Green, on paper, they align with a lot of things that, you know, I agree with. I think that the way that they go about those things is the thing that I hate them for. Um, And I just, I really, really don't like them at all. And, I wouldn't mind it if they uh, if they disappeared down into non-league again. Mainly because it would mean mm. that we'd have to start a crowdfunder for uh, Dale Vince's tattoo removal. But you know, <laughs> that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. So look, okay, let's wrap it up. We're looking ahead to uh, to Saturday. Um, hopefully, we can keep this going into a double-figure unbeaten streak for the Imps. Um, but until then, we'll see you Sunday. Up the Imps. Up the Imps. Thank <laughs> you.
90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.